greetings, beloved, in Jesus' name, amen. May I salute all the armies in the Lord's army, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 We need to drill this so that you don't forget that we are soldiers in the Lord's army. And the role of a soldier is not to play games, but is to fight. And uh, I think we know why we need to be engaged in warfare. Actually, if you look throughout the Bible and you look at many scriptures in the Bible, you will hear about wars and battles. Old Testament full of wars and battles. Everywhere, wars and battles. Why? Because we've got an enemy who does not want things to go well with us. Amen? The enemy is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it in abundance. Amen. So I want us to go to our text scripture, Psalms 18.34. Just see that the Lord trains us to war. Psalms 18.34 Amplified says, He teaches my hands to war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. So if he teaches my hands, or the Lord, here David was saying that the Lord taught him, was teaching him to war. And you know all the many wars and battles that David faced, isn't it? But he had to be taught and be trained, because if you are not trained, if you are not taught, you will always think that you are a victim when you are supposed to be more than a conqueror. When the enemy attacks, you will run for shelter instead of standing your ground. So when he says, the Lord teaches my hands to war, so he's talking about the hands being trained for war. But today I want us to look at the attitude that you should have when you are a soldier. Because usually when you get defeated, it's not because you don't know what to do many times. Many times it's because you panic. How many of you have ever gone to the driver's, uh, to, to be tested for driver's license? And sometimes you would find that you fail, not because you don't know how to drive, but because you panic. Isn't it? The enemy uses that. The enemy attacks. When he attacks, he makes sure that you get scared. You panic. The moment you panic, then you will be defeated. And when you are defeated, it's not because you cannot win. It's the same. Students, you, you students, you study hard, you study a lot. Then you get to the exam room. If you panic... Everything that you studied is no longer there, especially if question one. It's something that you didn't prepare for. Then you quickly panic. Don't panic. When there is question one, they allow you to start by the question you know best. Say, it's question one, I'll come to you last. Look around. If you look around and at the end, it seems, all of them seems to be, to be surprising you. You say, I don't panic. In Jesus' name. Amen. I used to do that when I would go into the exam room, anything, just like when you guys, before you eat, you pray. I would pray before I open the exam paper. Amen. Because I don't want to panic. Look at this, Deuteronomy 20, verse 1 to 4. I call these rules of engagement. When you face your enemy, don't panic. Because the Lord has already invested in you. He knows you are more than a conqueror. But the devil will do to make you scared, to make you afraid. You remember when Jesus was going to the ruler of the synagogue 
after uh, when he was delayed by the woman with the issue of blood. And then people came from the ruler of the synagogue's house to say, don't trouble the master anymore, the little daughter is dead. What did the Bible says? The Bible says when Jesus heard that, he quickly said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Amen. So it means the first rule is don't be afraid. Don't panic. And you will see that in Deuteronomy 20. Deuteronomy 20 says, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more than you. I told you about the exam. You go there and you think, I don't have what it takes to win here. It says, be not afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when you see that the enemy seems to be well armed more than you, don't fear, don't panic. That's the rule. And if it shall be when you are come nigh unto the battle, that the priest shall approach and speak unto the people, and you shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day unto battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not. Do not tremble, neither be ye terrified. Did you see that? So, he was using a lot of words to mean the same thing. Don't be afraid. Other versions says, don't give way to panic. Don't panic. Because if you panic, you will fail even when you don't have to fail. So when the enemy comes and you think that the enemy is well prepared and well ready for you, don't panic. Just know, verse 4. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. Amen. That is what should make you not panic. It's because you are not relying on your own strength. You are relying on the Lord. Then you say, the enemy may look smarter than how, prepared, uh, how much I've prepared. But that's not it because I don't depend on my own self. Let the weak say I am strong. Amen. So this is the rule that says when you face your enemy, don't panic. Tell your neighbor, don't panic. Do not be afraid. Amen. So I said even when you go for testing, don't panic. Don't be afraid. And you know, what is funny? is that some of those things that you really panic and you are very much afraid. It's not that if you fail, you will be killed. But you're so scared as if you are going to die. But I will show you here in the Bible, people who were facing real danger of being killed, but they did not panic. Can we look at David? Because you said, David says, the Lord trains me for battle. Let's look at one of the battles he fought. You guys know. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Started from verse 20 to 37. I want us to learn some of the lessons here from David. Indeed, he says his hands were trained for war, but he also had the right attitude for war. Amen? So, that's why today I want us to focus on this, your attitude in battle. 
Because sometimes you get defeated, not because you have to be defeated, but because you panic. Because you got afraid of the enemy. So the reason why we have to keep on telling you that you are more than a conqueror is so that when the enemy threatens you, when your enemy is roaming around like a lion threatening you, you do not panic and jump out. Because then he will get you. 1 Samuel 17, 20 to 37, good news. Was the time when David went to visit his brothers in war. David got up early the next morning, left someone else in charge of the ship, took the food and went as Jesse had told him to. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelites were going out to their battle line, shouting the war cry. That's in your Bible. I told you the Bible is full of wars and battles. And these things are not there just as stories. It's good when you are sharing with the children and you say it's a story. But for you an adult, you must say, why is this story here? What is God what does God want me to learn? What is he teaching me? You have your own Goliath that you will need to face. Amen? And you need to know the rules of engagement. So, it says, verse 21, the Philistines and the Israelites took position for battle facing each other. David left the food with the officer in charge of the supplies, ran to the battle line, went to his brothers and asked how they were getting along as he was talking with them, Goliath came forward and challenged the Israelites as he had done before. You know, the enemy wants to challenge you. He wants to intimidate you. The, most of the things that Goliath was saying, it was just to intimidate. Have you noticed the difference between a coward and a bold person? Is that a coward shrinks back. A bold person and a courageous person, they even talk beyond their ability. Amen. You find that they talk, they fear nothing, even if they have a little bit of fear inside, but you can see that they are more bold because they do not want to panic before the enemy. So it says, Goliath came and challenged them, and David heard him. When the Israelites saw Goliath, they ran away in terror. They already broke the rule of engagement. What does the rule say? Don't panic. So when they saw the enemy, they ran away in terror. They were afraid. Once you do that, you cannot win. Okay? They ran away in terror. Look at him, they said to each other. Listen to his challenges. You see how? So look at him, listen to his challenges. They were focusing their attention on the enemy. Instead of looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. So when you are faced with a challenge, don't look at the challenge. Look at your Lord. Remember what God has done for you. Remember that your God is the one who fights for you. So it means here, they were saying, look at him. They said, listen to his challenges. When you face a mountain, you mustn't look at the mountain, you mustn't. Listen to it, you must speak to it. You are the master. But they were saying, look at him. Listen to his challenges. King Saul has promised to give a big reward to the man who kills him. The king will also give his, his, him his daughter to marry and will not require his father's family to pay taxes. David asked the man who were near him, what will the man get who kills this Philistine 
and frees Israel from this disgrace. You see the attitude of David and the attitude of the other ones. The other ones were so much afraid of Goliath, they were running for shelter. David, he was not even supposed to be fighting this battle. He could have gone back home because he was not enlisted to fight this battle. But if you are a man of war, like the Bible says, Jehovah is a man of war in Exodus 15, you cannot tolerate it when the enemy is taking chances. Because here it says, what will a man get? So David is seeing actually a price. He thinks this is an opportunity to see what my God can do. So when a challenge comes your way, see it as an opportunity to see what your God can do. After all, who is this heathen Philistine to defy the army of the living God? In other words, when the devil comes, he wants to defy what God has said. Okay? God has already said you were healed by the stripes of the Lord Jesus. When the enemy puts that sickness on you, he is defying what God has said about you. So you need to hold on and say, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this enemy that wants to defy what God has said? I want to stick with what God has said. I'm sticking with what God has said. I'm not going to panic. Because it says, who is this heathen Philistine to defy the army of the living God? So the enemy wants to defy what God has said. He will defy it and make you to panic and make you to say, this faith stuff doesn't work. He is trying to defy what God has said. But let's look at David. They told him what would be done for the man who killed Goliath. Eliab, David's eldest brother, heard David talking to the man. He became angry with David and said, what are you doing here? Who is taking care of those sheep of yours out there in the wilderness? You smart Alec, you. You just came to watch the fighting. If I was David, I would say, what fighting? Because I don't think there was any fighting there. They were running for cover. So, so when you say you came to watch the fighting, which one? Because I don't think there was any fighting there. Now, what have I done? David asked. Can't I even ask a question? He turned to another man and asked him the same question. And every time he asked, he got the same answer. Some men heard what David had said, and they said to Saul, who sent for him? David said to Saul, your majesty, no one should be afraid of this Philistine. You know, David knew the, 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 the rules of engagement. What does the rule say? Don't be afraid. So how does David say, what does David say to Saul? No one should be afraid of this Philistine. In other words, you, you start there. Have you seen even some people who look bold in the world? Some of this, you know the other politicians, especially these extreme ones. You, talk, you see that they talk beyond even their ability. That's what we call boldness. Amen. Even if on the inside there is something that says, really? <laughs> you intimidate the enemy. Amen? Don't be afraid of the enemy. So, they said, now, listen to Saul. No, answered Saul. How can you fight him? You are just a boy, and he has been a soldier all his life. You know, sometimes people look at you and they undermine you. Tell your neighbor, 
Don't look at me and look down upon me. You don't know what's in here. You see, there is a dynamite in me. You remember I told you about that, that praying mantis. I mean, I saw that thing. That thing changed my way of thinking. You, did you guys Google it and see that the praying mantis, that thing, and that thing, it's like an, a, a small insect. It kills the snake. Because the snake is going there being deceived by the look. And the snake thinks, ah, this, this fool. And actually the way how the snakes get killed, I think somebody was asking, you are now who was asking, you were saying, but why didn't the snake retreat? Because the first time that thing hit that snake, the snake had a chance to run away. But the snake is not convinced that it must run away. <laughs> so it looks at it and says, no, I must go for it, I must kill it. I must kill it, I must kill it, until it's caught, and then that thing eats it and kills it. Okay? So the enemy sometimes undermines you. So here, Saul says you are just a boy. He's been a man of war all the days of his life. Now listen to David. I like the confidence that he had. Verse 34. Your majesty, David said, I take care of my father's sheep. Anytime a lion or a bear carries off a lamb, I go after it, attack it, and rescue the lamb. And if the lion or a bear turns on me, I grab it by the throat and beat it to death. Did, did you hear? <laughs> I mean, he's talking about a lion and a bear. So he's actually saying, lion and bear, if you take my lamb, I'm going to come after you. If you don't want trouble, just run. Because if, you, if it turns on me, he says, I grab it by the throat and beat it to death. That's a soldier. Verse 36. I have killed lions and bears, and I will do the same to this heathen Philistine who defied the army of the living God. You see the importance of testimony. So David had confidence in God because he saw God before doing things. Amen. Some of you, the enemy, there was a lot of times that the enemy had said, you won't make it. And the enemy even wanted you to be dead by now. Tell your neighbor, I'm still here. I'm still here. Despite all the plans of the enemy to get me off, I'm still here. Say it. You need to say it that I'm still here. Amen. Don't be afraid of the enemy. That's why I talk what I want to see. I talk what God has said. I'm not afraid of the enemy. So that's what David is saying here. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Because if you panic or you get scared of the enemy, the enemy will finish. Some of you, we don't know what you have gone through. Some of you, maybe you should have even committed suicide. But you're still here. Tell your neighbor, I'm still here. Amen. I'm reminded of the time when, <laughs> when they came to Jesus. They said, Herod wants to kill you. You must run away. Jesus said, I'm going to stay here for three more days. Go and tell that fox that I'm going to continue staying here for three more days. Amen. He is saying, I don't get intimidated by the enemy. You remember even when he was to die, he said, the prince of this world is coming after me, but he's got nothing in me. 
I lay down my life. In other words, I decide that I can die now to save them. But if I don't want, you remember after Peter cut the ear of the other people who were capturing Jesus? What does Jesus say to Peter? He says, Peter, don't you think, he says, he who draws a sword will also die of the sword. Don't you think if I didn't want to die, I could call on the angels? And the Lord would dispatch the angels and protect me. I'm choosing to lay down my life. That's what you talk when you're a soldier. It's done on my terms. Amen. That's what you do when you are a soldier. So now he says, so I'm saying to you, even the testimonies, the other things, you might start with headache, maybe the other time you had headache. Stand on faith. Might be running time, stand on faith. You are building a testimony. So that the other time when the enemy attacks, then you know, the same God who delivered me there will deliver me here. Now you use your testimony to win. Because if you don't see these opportunities of challenges as opportunities to, to build your, 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 your credentials in faith, then you will lose the opportunity. So it means even when the enemy puts a stumbling block in front of you, use that as a stepping stone. In other words, you're saying, devil, you can't stop me. If you bring this stumbling block, I'll just climb over it and go over. That's the attitude of a soldier. So look at it here. Verse 36, he says, I've killed lions and bears, and I'll do the same to this Ethan Philistine, who has defied the army of the living God. The Lord has saved me from lions and bears. You will save me from this Philistine. All right, Saul answered, go and the Lord be with you. So in essence, he was saying, I know my God. I've got a testimony. I have a track record with my God. Let's go to verse 41 to 53. Now they are going to start fighting. I want you to look at this because when we read this, let's not read this like children, as if it's just a story. You need to say, I want to see how soldiers, how people who are bold in warfare, how do they stand? And by the way, for David here, like I said, most of the challenges you are facing, it's not even that if you fail, you will die. But you're so much terrified as if you will die. Here, this was a real thing. If it doesn't work, you die. Okay? It was not a movie. It was a real thing. If it doesn't work, you die. Okay. So listen. And David didn't have to fight this one. But I like his attitude. When he says, the Lord trains my hands for war. I also like even his attitude. He was trained like a soldier. 1 Samuel 17, 41 to 53. The Philistines started walking toward David with his shield bearer walking in front of him. He kept coming closer. You see something. You know that the enemy cheats. Huh? Didn't Goliath say, give me a man that I can fight with him? So in other words, one versus one. But what does your verse 41 say? Was it one versus one? Your verse doesn't, your Bible doesn't say that. Your Bible says the Philistines started walking toward David with his shield bearer walking in front of him. He kept coming closer. So if it were some of you would have said, but that's unfair. We said it should be one against one. No, no, this is not fair. David knew that even if the enemy cheats, I'll still beat him. Amen. That's, what you, that's the attitude you should have. Because some of you say, 
No, in this, in this place we can never be promoted. Because you see, it's, it's nepotism and they only do, if you are not politically connected, uh, you know what, what, what? No. There are no verses like that. You're reading too much newspaper instead of reading your Bible. Okay? Because here he does not start now talking about, this. he knows. Even if, because now, I mean, if you've got, uh, it says the shield bearer. So, in other words, the guy holding the shield was in front. That's also somebody who's helping to fight. Now, he's fighting with two people. But he's not interested in that because there are more of us than there are that are with them. They can cheat. They can do all things. I'll still succeed. That should be your attitude wherever you go. Don't allow circumstances to take you off focus. Where you now start saying, but this is unfair. You know, here at our place, they always do this. They always do this. We'll never succeed. We who don't know people will never. No, there are no verses like that. You are not speaking verses. You are speaking circumstances and you will be defeated. But I like David. And when he got a good look, that's, that's Goliath. When he got a good look at David, he was filled with scorn for him because he was just a nice, good-looking boy. You see, again, don't be deceived by looks. Okay? It's like that snake and the mantis. <laughs> so he looks at him and says, ah, it's boy. Because some of you, don't you know that? Okay, sorry for this one. Sometimes we think when you are a soldier, you should look somehow. <laughs> so, and I think, I think Goliath looked the part. But he looks at David and says, ah, he's just nice, good-looking boy. That, that's not soldiers. And he said to David, what's that stick for? Do you think I'm a dog? And he, call, he, he called down curses from his God on David. Come on, he challenged David. I'll give your body to the birds and the animals to eat. David answered, you are coming against me with a sword, spear, and a javelin, even with that shield with the person in front of him. But I come against you. In other words, they may have many, many weapons, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Amen. I've got the name of I've got the name of the Lord. In other words, it doesn't matter what the enemy does, you've got the name of the Lord. Let every knee bow, let every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Since I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel which you have defied. This very day, the Lord will put you in my power. I will defeat you and cut off your head. You know what some of you would have said? We don't know. Maybe today I might defeat you. You see, you must be careful, Goliath. If God sides with me, I might just surprise you. That's how you take chances, isn't it? That's not how you fight. You must, when you fight, you do like this. Hear what David said. This very day, the Lord is giving you into my hand. I'll defeat you and I will cut off your head. Tell him what you will do to the enemy. Some of you guys, you are so quiet. I'm quiet, but I'm not quiet in faith. I may not speak a lot of newspapers, but I've got a lot to speak here. 
Because this is my armor. Okay? So, he speaks. And then he says, I will give the bodies of the Philistine soldiers to the birds and animals to eat. He was generous. Eh? <laughs> he says, I'm going to make a feast for the animals and the birds today. David, and, where are we? Verse, yeah, 46, we're finishing. The whole world will know that Israel has a God. So it means when a challenge faces you, don't shrink. That's an opportunity to say, we know our God. We are going to stand no matter what. We do not quit. Even if we are down, we are not out. Amen. We want people ultimately to say they have a God who is alive. Verse 47. And everyone here will see that the Lord does not need swords and spears to save his people. He is victorious in battle and he will pull, put you all in our power. He says he's victorious in battle. You were reading Jehovah. You were um, singing Jehovah is your mighty warrior, great in battle. So he says he is victorious in battle. And he will put you all in our power. Goliath started working toward David again. And David ran quickly toward the Philistine battle line to fight him. So you don't run away from the enemy. You run toward the enemy. Okay? Do you know in the armor of God, there is nothing for the back? Ephesians 6. It says, take the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, your, 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 your loins get about with the belt of truth. The, the, in your feet, the preparation of the shot uh, to, with the gospel, to, to spread the gospel. And then he says, take the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's not that God forgot about the bag. It's because you are not expected to face, to, to run away from the enemy. So you don't need anything for the bag. Amen. You run toward the enemy. That's what he's saying here. He ran toward the enemy's battle line. Reached into his back and took out a stone which is lung at Goliath. It hit him on the forehead and broke his skull. And Goliath fell face down on the ground. And so, without a sword, David defeated and killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. So, what I see here, this is me, it's not in the Bible. Probably the Israelites were feeling they're so much scared of Goliath because he's so big. But David might have been thinking, David, Goliath is so big, I can't miss him. Amen. This is such a big target. And I can't miss him. But imagine if Goliath had a, a very small head and, and a small and, and, and a tiny man. So he says, the big one, that's the one I want. That is your attitude. It's like if you pour glass and fill it to half, people who are negative will say, it's half empty. People who are positive will say, it's half full. But it's the same glass. Amen? So this is the same Goliath. Others are running away, being scared and terrified. Somebody's going for him. So you need to have this attitude 
Because your attitude will determine your altitude. Okay? Your attitude will determine your altitude. It, your attitude will determine how high you can fly with God. Okay? So now he runs to him. He reached and then he killed him. And verse 51. He ran to him, stood over him, took Goliath's sword out of his sheath and cut off his head and killed him. So it seems like <laughs> Goliath was not dead yet after with the stone. My Bible says Goliath, David went, stood on him, took out his sword, cut, cut off his head and killed him. So David killed the enemy with the enemies. Weapons. That's how your God fights for you. Amen? So, if you look, many times when people plan things against you, people plot against you and all that, I remember the story when Haman plotted against Mordecai and he built gallows. And then, Mordecai was freed, didn't have to be killed on that. The very same Haman who put the gallows was killed in those very same gallows. So when your enemy is plotting against you and putting things, your enemy will fall into those same traps. Because your God will be fighting for you. That's why, as for me, I don't try to defend myself. Because my God fights for me. I don't even have to try and justify my actions. My God fights for me. I remember there was one time some years back, there were some people who left church and this person was talking bad about the church and about me. Now, one person heard it, and she, as one of our congregants, she loved me so much that she felt, oh, Pastor, this person is talking bad about you and the church. Why don't you, in the pulpit, why don't you clarify and really tell the thing? And you guys know, I don't defend myself in the pulpit. So because why? Because my God fights for me. So I don't have to fight because he will fight for me. So I can't come to the pulpit and try and justify myself. And the other person can't talk for themselves, by the way, because they are not there. So it's already unequal. So I don't do that. You can talk what you talk. My God fights for me. And there are times when people think that servants of God bewitch people. <laughs> because, because you talk about them and then things start falling apart. No, it's not that. It's because the Bible says, God said to, 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 to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse those who curse you. Amen. And the Lord himself, he says, I will be an enemy to your enemies. An adversary to your adversaries. So I don't have time to, to go around saying, yeah, no, what did they really say? Really? And this and this and this. Then I will not be a focused soldier. Because the devil wants me to be busy listening to what people are saying. Oh, were you there? Oh, yeah, we've got a witness. Now, the devil has got you off track, isn't it? I've got just too much to do that I can't afford to lose focus. Amen? So children of God, keep the focus. If people are saying things about you which is not true, it will come out anyway. Amen? You don't have to try and defend it. The Lord will defend you. Amen? It helps you to keep calm and just keep on saying, the Lord will fight for me. He took the sword, kills him. Men of Israel and Judah shouted and ran after them. When they saw that they, the Philistines were now running away, 
pursuing them all to Gath and to the uh, gates of Ekron, the Philistine fell wounded all along the road that leads to Sharaim as far as Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites came back from pursuing the Philistines, they looted the camp, their camp. So what I want to see here is that when David stood bold and confident and won the victory, all of a sudden those cowardly Israelites were now chasing the enemy. So be somebody that will inspire others. When other people would have been, because when you do it, now even the cowards come forth. They are chasing the, the Philistines now. But it's the same people who were there before that you were afraid of. But just because somebody stood his ground, now you see what God can do. Amen. I told you that this is about your attitude. Have that courageous and confident attitude. Be bold. Don't allow the enemy to intimidate you. Can we look at Numbers chapter 13? Verse 26 to 33, I'll do it in the NIV. I want to show you another attitude here, which is the attitude that Caleb and Joshua had compared to the other ten. So it means everywhere where we are, we'll always have the Caleb's and the Joshua's. We'll always have the David's and the rest of the people who are scared of the enemy. So even here in the church setting, there are Caleb's and Joshua's, but there are also the ten. Okay? But we won't be stopped by the ten. We're going for it. I want you to look at this. Numbers 13, 26 to 33. They came back to Moses after the twelve spies had gone. Came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Piran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land into which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The descendants of Anak, Goliath was one of those. So the descendants of Anak were these tall, giant-like people. They said, so they are talking about their situation, isn't it? We saw the giants, we saw this, we saw this, and they are not saying anything about what God has said. Okay? And... The Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan, verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. I want some Caleb's and Joshua's. When I say we are going to build the house of the Lord, I want others who say, We certainly are going to do it. But listen to the other ten. But the man who had gone up with him said, We can't. We can't attack these people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those who live in it. The people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim, or the giants, the Anakims. Okay? But they are not talking about anything that they believed in. They are just talking about the situation. That's not how you win. They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. You see, people, there are people with a grasshopper mentality. You know what's a grasshopper? Again, those of us from rural areas. Do you know how small the grasshopper is compared to a giant? Do you think there's a match between a grasshopper and a giant? No. So they say, 
But it didn't start with the giants. The giants didn't see them as grasshoppers. They say we saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so, we could see that they were also looking at us like grasshoppers. You know that there are some people with a low inferiority complex that you just don't greet them because you're busy with something. No, I know. Can they ever greet us? We are nothing here in this church. It's you. Nobody said you are nothing. You see yourself like that. Okay? So they say, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. So how do you see yourself? And some of you call it humility. Ah, we are nothing. That's not humility. That's stupidity. Because humility, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. So humility is when you subject yourself to the word of God. So if you say you are what God said you are, then you are humble. But if you say you are not what God said you are, then you are not humble. You're either proud or foolish. Okay? So because they said we looked like grasshoppers. But now, looking at the attitude of David, looking at the attitude of Caleb and Joshua, can you see, if you are a soldier, what attitude you must draw? So, I know there is some few things that I need to share with you here, so I've got to start winding down again. You see, time flies. Okay? So, let's go together to the book of Isaiah 54, because I want to show you that even with you, it's, you will also be challenged. You will face challenges. You will face wars. That's why the Lord is training us. So that when the evil day comes, you will know how to stand and remain standing. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. But you can only stand when you have been trained and you know what God has said. So listen to Isaiah 54. I'll read it from 14 to 17. Because I want to hear what God says. When other people are spending a lot of time hearing what other people say about them, I want to hear what God says about me. Because his word is final. In righteousness you will be established. That's Isaiah 54, 14 to 17 NIV. Tyranny will be far from you. That's what God is saying about me. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, so it means people can attack you. But if they do, he says, it will not be my doing. Whoever attacks you will surrender to you. Other version says, whoever attacks you will fall for your sake. It's because when they attack you, they think they're attacking you. And they don't know that God is on your side. They will end up falling because of their own doings. Verse 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me. Declares the Lord. I like it in, in, in this version when it talks about vindication. You remember when I told you I don't have to vindicate myself. I don't have to defend myself. He says their vindication is from me. Declares the Lord. So if the Lord vindicates me, then I'm free. Amen? 
So he says, no weapon that is fashioned against you shall prosper. So the enemy can plan. They can plan whatever they plan, but it will not prosper. It will not succeed. Just don't panic and don't speak the, enemy, the language of the enemy. I told you, even in your work, some of you say, uh, will, will we ever pro promote it? You see, some of us who don't even have political connections, you only get tender if you have a political connection. You know, the, in South Africa, you will never get a tender if you, don't, you are not politically co connected. Then you mustn't be in that business if you think you can't get it. You need to stand and say, as for me, the Lord will confuse my enemies. They will fight among themselves and they will give it to me. Amen. Because I've got the favor of God. Amen. I'm going to speak what God says. Because he says he will bless the works of my hands. So I'm starting this business and the Lord will bless the works of my hands. Amen. I don't have to be po politically connected. I just have to stay heavenly connected. Can you tell your neighbor I don't have to be politically connected? I just need to stay heavenly connected. It works. Amen. It works. Because the problem with political connections is that you owe them. If they get you into that position, now you can't do what you need to do is pay the time. But if you trust in the Lord and then the Lord positions you there, you don't need their favor to do what you need to do. You do what you need to do. You owe them nothing. Okay? So let's conclude with Luke 10, 19, after our vindication, because I want you to hear, we'll pause it. We're just actually pausing it. Hopefully next week, I should be able to bring it all together and finish it. If you don't finish, that's fine. You can continue the other time. But there's so much in fighting a good fight of faith. Okay, Luke 10, 19, amplified. It says, Behold, I have given you authority and power. That's what the Lord is saying to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical and mental strength and ability over all the power that the enemy possesses and nothing shall in any way harm you. That's what my Lord is saying. Amen. So it means God has already said what should become of me. And I stick with that. Amen. I stick with that knowing that the devil does not have a final say. My God speaks last. So this word has to be fulfilled in my life. When God says their vindication is from me, he's got to vindicate me. Amen? He's got to vindicate me. I don't have to try to make things work. I didn't write the, his word. He gave us the word. Our role is just to believe that word. Amen? I just believe what he said. And it's his responsibility to confirm his word with signs follow. But I'll keep on believing him. I'll keep on sticking my ground, standing my ground and sticking with him. Knowing that indeed he's given me power to trample over all the powers of the enemy. Nothing shall by enemies hurt you. Amen. Can we pause it here today? Is your attitude right? Your enemy, when you go out there, don't panic. I told you, some of these politicians, you can think, what is, what is he trusting in? That's what we call boldness. Even, if, even when you don't know what you are trusting in, intimidate your enemies. But for you, you know who you are trusting in. Isn't it? You know who your God is. Can we stand up and thank God for the word that we've heard?
Father, in the name of Jesus. 